0: You're at The Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub where we enjoy conversations with people who are engaged in the world of coaching.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Coaching Inn. I'm Claire Pedrick and today I'm in conversation with Raggy Kotak, who sent a lovely message to say it felt relieving to hear your recent discussion on race mostly because you accepted how little you knew about working with those of us with other identities and how important it is to hold these conversations in the predominantly white world of coaching. Well, Raggy, thank you so much for being willing to come and have a provocative conversation with me. Uh, thank you. And thank you for making contact. It, it, you know, it really helps to broaden our own insights and experience to have really great conversations, doesn't
0: it? Mm, thank you for having me. Um, I forgot I sent you that message. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember. I do remember now. I remember listening to one of your podcasts talking about race. Yeah, and relieved that the conversation was happening. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah there are more to come. Awesome. Uh, we've got somebody. Um, somebody is in Liz Price's unlearning group.
0: Oh, right, yes.
1: She's going to come in and talk about what she's learning kind of live in the moment, which is really exciting. That's
0: brilliant. That's great.
1: So (laughs) you have a very interesting background as a barrister, a coach, a human being, a provocateur.
0: Ah, yes.
1: Tell us a bit about your professional journey and your human journey,
0: Raggy. So um, my professional journey as a coach um I I'm I'm a fairly new coach I um I studied last year I qualified at the end of last year and I've been coaching since then um I'm probably about 60 70 hours in and trying to get to my 100 so I can get accredited fantastic and in relation to my other journey um my main career was as a barrister I practiced for around 20 years, representing asylum seekers. Um, And about two years ago, I stopped taking on work and I started working full-time as a race educator. Mm. So I'm working with individuals in organizations, talking about racism and other forms of oppression and how they can do better, how they can challenge those dynamics and create a more level playing field.
1: Wow. Yes. So a huge breadth of experience. Thank you. And lots of teachers amongst the people you've worked with who've made you the person you are today.
0: Yes. That's that's absolutely true. Yes.
1: I was particularly struck by your from your email that you're new to coaching. And I think that one of the things that I noticed is that people who are are new to to being a coach, but also new into the coaching training space. Right probably see things that those of us who've been around for a long time don't see.
0: I hope so. So Um, what do you, what do you see? What do I see in the coaching world? Mm. I don't really know the coaching world that well. I don't really feel that um, I've had that much contact with the world. It it is one of the things I do, but it's one of the things I do amongst many. Yeah. Yeah. My lens is always on anti-oppression because that's kind of what I do. Mm. So um, it's quite challenging coming into the coaching world because it, from from my experiences, it's a predominantly white world, a predominantly privileged world. And, um, you know, as part of the training, you're one of the only racialized people in the room. And that is impactful. Mm. That is impactful because um, because I feel like I want to be cautious about what I say because I don't want to criticise anybody, but I had quite a difficult time of my training. I had quite a, a challenging time of my training and various things came up in the group which were about race um, and uh, as the only racialized person that uh, mostly there. You' are the one that really gets most impacted by those dynamics so so my my journey into coaching wasn't really positive
1: yeah
0: um, I have had some very positive interactions with with coaches who have been very supportive um, and my journey now as a coach um, I, I i really do I really do love coaching I really enjoy it um, but the the clients I see. I'm mostly racialized or or come with other backgrounds like somebody's trans or they're queer or they're uh, off color Um, because they're the kind of people that seek me out, really, I think. Yeah. Because if people want coaching, they want coaching by somebody who reflects their identities and understands their identities. Mm -hmm. And on LinkedIn or professionally, I'm very clear that I'm a racism disruptor or you know, and, and if you look at my background, it's, it's clear that I've been working around injustice for my entire career. So people seek somebody out who is going to understand their experience. Yeah. So that, yeah. that feels really great. And, and I, sh- I guess I should say uh, mostly now I'm charging more, but mostly for most of my coaching hours, I was coaching for charity donations to get the experience. And therefore, it was an accessible way for people to get access to a coach. And that's how these people found me as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I hope you're going to still work with them.
0: Yes, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what's your experience of coaching people from diverse backgrounds? What what skills and gifts do you notice
0: that you need to draw on? So I guess um, most people that come to me have a story about um, their own identity or their sense of belonging, or a problem at work, or something happening in their relationship or family. And what I notice is that structural issues of oppression, uh, racism, or homophobia, or transphobia is always a big part of the story. So they'll be telling me a story, and they'll be saying, oh, you know, they tell me that I'm really angry all the time. And uh, and um you know, and I need to calm down and and i'll be i'll feel quite surprised because they don't come across as angry to me at all, and they'll be telling me a story of working with young people and the young people love them, and then the other adults don't love them and i'm I'm sort of well, well why do they say you're angry? isn't that something that happens all the time to black women that they're told that they're angry when they're just being articulate or expressing themselves. So what I find is within the stories, there's often elements of oppression that they're experiencing. And if you're not aware of how these systems work, and you can't point them out, then um, they tend to internalize them and see it as something wrong with themselves. So I think it's really important to have an understanding of how systems of oppression work, not to assume that they're always there, but just to be aware of them and to ask the right questions Mm -hmm. so that you can ascertain what's really going on. Mm -hmm. I also think it's really important because um, I know from my own journey of being coached, and I am being coached at the moment. I'm in a peer reciprocal coaching uh, sort of relationship uh, through the ICF. Um, I know that when I'm being coached with somebody who doesn't have this awareness, I don't bring my whole self. I'm not going to talk about the issues in my life that are impacting me. I'm not going to talk about these issues because they're not going to be understood on the other side. And I hear that from a lot of people. I hear that from people I coach that say how relieved they are. It's the first time they've ever been able to talk about these issues. So I don't, think it, I, I don't think that you have to be coached by somebody who has the same identity as you at all. But I do think it's really important to be coached by somebody who understands identities. And I think that that's a core competent skill that we all need as coaches.
1: I agree. And what I think you're... There's, there's something there about being aware that there are things that may be a bit hidden at the beginning yeah. of the conversation, yeah, which may need just to be invited into the room if people want Absolutely. to say something.
0: Absolutely. It is so relieving. I notice how relieving it is for the people I'm working with when I show that I understand the dynamics. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a relief to have a space where you can actually speak from your heart and talk about what's really going on for you instead of, you know, diluting what you're saying because there's a fear that it's not going to be held and understood. And also, you know, as racialized people, we're not always used to talking about our experience um, uh, because we haven't had the space. I think coaching is quite an elite um, space for people to have. Um, You know, I mean, who really has access to coaching? Uh, If if you don't have access, certain communities, more privileged people will have access to coaching. They can pay for it or their organisations are paying for it. And uh, I mean, I'm not suggesting that we don't have privilege as well, but I do find that there's less access to coaching in our communities.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if coaches become coaches because they want to earn money. Yeah then that's going, to, that's going to set them off in a direction of people who can pay.
0: Absolutely. I think it's a brilliant skill. I think coaching is really fantastic and it's been really good for me. You know, being, just doing my training has been really good for me because you're constantly being coached and I've seen myself really grow through that experience. Mm. And I really love giving that experience to, to others and I want those that don't have access to coaching to have access. It's important. Yeah,
1: and allowing people to feel heard for the whole of themselves. Absolutely. And not only feeling heard for the bit that's, that people feel that they can
0: Absolutely. listen
1: to, and I don't want to listen to that or I don't know to ask about that.
0: Absolutely.
1: As, as you're talking, I, I'm thinking about all the talking around systemic coaching and coaching people in their systems.
0: Okay.
1: And I, I'm just thinking... That it's rare, or maybe very rare, when people are describing the whole systemic context to also talk about race and difference.
0: Okay, I mean, I I don't know because I haven't had that yeah. much experience around coaches that are doing systemic coaching, so I d- I don't really know. When we talk about systemic coaching, what are we actually saying? That's a really interesting question. (laughs) And
1: I think that's a really good direct question to ask people, isn't it? I think it's, you know, it's about people in the contexts in which they work. So it's in their organisation, in their family system, in their everything, in the world. Yes. And you hear that a lot. Right. But you don't hear in your colour, in your experience of
0: life, in your But that makes no sense at all, because how can you be coached in a system when you're not thinking about your racial identity or your sexuality or any of these identities that are so important to us? You know, surely that's a big part of the system.
1: Which is why we need to talk about
0: it. Yeah. Yeah, because for me, you know, my identity is a huge part of who I am. And I've been in spaces where I haven't felt comfortable with that identity a long time ago, because I, you know, as a barrister, I worked in the political chambers where there was such a mix of mix of people. And we were all really welcome as we are. Uh, But, you know, prior to that, I remember being in places where I felt really unwelcome. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't talk about these issues. You couldn't name race. You couldn't talk about our difference. Everybody had to be the same. Everybody had to show up the same. And that is really exhausting. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's really important to have spaces where you can just be free and where you can really talk about what's going on for you.
1: Yeah, and that yeah, and it's allowing people to be uniquely themselves, whatever their
0: story. And I guess, I guess if you're not from one of those marginalized identities you wouldn't really understand the importance of your identity you know uh if i look at my friend circle who are mostly people who are racialized or people who are queer or i'm also queer by the way uh, if you didn't get that bit <laughs> um, <laughs> um who we are is such an important part of everything about us and you know it's not that we have to talk about it all the time because we're together but um it is really a big part of our lives and I've also you know I've been in um therapy relationships for many years um and realized afterwards how how although I got a lot of healing really really brilliant healing How difficult it was that they didn't understand my identities Mm. you know and you know various things come up where you can't get support around and which are not understood and you have to swallow them and you have to always kind of give space for the lack of understanding on the other side I think that's a problem and I don't think it's that hard to educate ourselves about difference I think we all have to go through a journey where we learn about different communities like for example um I've had to do a lot of learning about trans communities or non-binary people because you know that's not my identity but I do have people that I'm working with who have those identities so I need to understand them Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really take that long I just have to do a little bit of reading have some conversations understand difference to create a space where they feel welcome
1: So you've said two really interesting things there. One is this is what I do to understand. Yeah. I read a bit, I have conversations. What do you want, speaking as you personally, to be to feel understood? What do you see or hear or sense to feel understood?
0: Um I think um I am racialized, but white people are also racialized. So what we do when we talk about race is we talk about people that look like me, brown people, black people, right? But um, I'm sort of cautious of what I'm saying, because all the racial identities, the whole thing is a social construct. It's something that was developed a few centuries ago in order to separate us, right? So there's no... There's no real science in the difference between us. We're all genetically the same. The only difference is really geography. My skin is darker because my family are from India, which is closer to the sun, so I need darker skin, right? So that's the only difference. But but for centuries, we've been socialised in these differences. So in reality, we have to act as if there these differences are real uh, because racism is real, right? Mm. So I talk, you know if 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 being Asian, if being brown is a race, then being white is also a race. So what normally happens is white is seen as the norm and every other race is seen as a default in opposition to white, right? But really we're all in the circle together and white is also a race. So for me, what I notice is people get white people get really really anxious talking about race because they're scared of the language they're scared of saying the wrong thing they don't want to cause offense they feel that they don't know enough what i think we all need to do is educate ourselves a little bit more you know you know read some books watch films go on a training Create a space where you can learn a little bit about, more about your race. And then you're, you feel more comfortable talking about race. You feel more comfortable with others talking about that race around you. Right? So I just think there's so much fear around yeah. the subject of race. Um, yesterday I was in school. And working with 120 teachers, and you know, the first thing they talked about is being scared of saying the wrong thing. Everywhere I go, I ask people what their hopes are, what their fears are about this work, and everyone says the same thing: everyone is scared of saying the wrong thing, scared of making mistakes, scared of hurting somebody. So you know, we all have to get over that and and, and educate ourselves, like like we learn to be coaches. Yeah, we can learn to be racially literate,
1: and saying nothing is also saying the wrong thing
0: (laughs) saying nothing what what happens is people say nothing because they're scared of saying the wrong thing but if you're on the other side right you can tell they're so uncomfortable and they're saying nothing and what it makes you think is that they're actually quite racist right so you say nothing so that you don't do the wrong wrong thing but actually it it's more problematic it makes you look more racist than than anything else
1: there was a beautiful story on Twitter the other day with right. a photograph of a woman holding a book, right. and um, this guy was in a super. I think he was somewhere. He was he was working somewhere, and she came up to him and asked him a question. He's yeah. black, she's white, and he answered the question, and then she said, um, "Is your is your family origin? I think it was from Somalia, and." And he didn't know how to, to respond to that, but he kind of went with it and he went, yes. And she, she said, I'm reading a really interesting book
0: oh, I by think I
1: somebody from, about Somalia. He's called, and, and then she said, I really, really want to meet him. He's called whatever his name is. And he went, that's me. Yeah,
0: I did see that. That was brilliant.
1: <laughs> and then she said, here's the picture of me holding the book because I really wanted to meet the author. And isn't oh. that a great example of, a, of, a, of that initial fear about how to have a conversation, mm. but the opportunity to really kind of go through it?
0: Mm, absolutely. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. But we need to talk we need to talk, we need to be able to be comfortable talking about race, talking about difference, talking about our identities, being curious, right? The problem is um, in that story, as you started telling it, I thought, Oh no, where's this going to go? Because one of the things that are seen as microaggressions, right? Are, uh, is when people are asked where they're from. So if I came up to you and we were in a meeting or something and I said, where are you from, right? Uh, Implicit within that is a kind of, you look different, you don't really belong, right? But I'm really curious and I always want to know where people are from, right? So how I do it is I'm really careful how I say these things because I want people to recognise that I'm trying to relate and trying to create create, uh, connections rather than push somebody away and suggest that they don't belong so I would say to you oh I'm so curious where's your accent from yeah or or something like that and you and you would answer I'd be like oh I thought it was that so I thought it might be this and then we're having a conversation right rather than just coming up to somebody who you don't know and just the first thing you ask them is where you from right in a really kind of dismissive way so a lot of this is, you know, people are worried about how to say things, right? I always think that curiosity and creating space for a relationship is always a good way to take a positive step forward.
1: And actually having some ways of opening up conversation with people sure. matters in lots of aspects, doesn't it? So sure. in the world of, of uh, serious health issues and, and dying, Yes. it's much better to say how's your day than how are you because how are you is a completely overwhelming question
0: Ooh, that's a, that's a good thought yeah
1: so so having a few different ways of opening up conversation is just a really great thing to have in our kit bag as a human I think and it's,
0: it's just I think it's just important to remember that we're all humans. Yeah. And, you know, to speak to somebody with a different identity is just speaking to somebody, right? So just kind of saying, hi, nice to meet you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have, have, you know, just anything, right? Just starting a conversation like, like you would with somebody with the same identity.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, just... ma- and make your ways in ways Absolutely. that are less
0: triggering for others. Absolutely.
1: Or overwhelming. Absolutely.
0: Uh, I do think that it's, it is more than that for coaches. You know, it's really important in the world we all learn how to talk to different people, right? That's great, yeah. But in the world of coaching, I think that people need a little bit more than just the courage to have a conversation. I think people need a level of racial literacy training um where they understand um I, I do a lot of training with people where i'm talking about my identity their identity how we're all situated how the systems of oppression work how we're all socialized and conditioned within those systems um and and how we interrupt that so i imagine most people who are white presenting, listening to this podcast, get racist thoughts and pretend that they don't, right? And we all get this, right? The majority of majority of us will get racist thoughts and pretend that we don't, right? And, and we get this thought and we're horrified and we shove it away and we don't tell anybody and everybody goes around the world pretending they don't get them, but everybody does get them and nobody mm-hmm. talks about it. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is most of our behavior is unconscious. Yeah. Right, And those racist thoughts are going to leak all over the place. So if you look like me, you talk about how regularly you experience microaggressions, and those microaggressions are because people are not owning their socialization and conditioning. It doesn't mean people are bad it just means that we've grown up in a society where whiteness has been centralized and depicted in positive ways and people who are racialized are often depicted in negative ways so black men are on television programs as criminals you know there's a lot of rhetoric in newspapers about them and we all get these thoughts right because we've had these messages again and again and again and if you don't become aware of that and then start to listen to them a little more and then make a choice about how you're going to act you're going to leak all over the place and Mm -hmm. that's what happens most of us are constantly leaking all over the place and we just don't take responsibility for that and we're not making conscious choices to act in a more equitable way and that's the problem
1: and that's about the inside work isn't it
0: That's about the inside work and and people are terrified of that work, but then they'll do really deep work about other parts of their their world. And, you know, as coaches, we've all done quite a lot of personal work and we hold a lot of personal work, but this part is almost ignored. And it's not so bad, Mm -hmm. right? There's, There's so much fear because we have centuries and centuries of oppression around race, and there's a lot of energy around the words. So people are very fearful but actually it's really relieving when I held this space with teachers yesterday, they were all rushing up to me saying, wow, that was so amazing. I had such great conversations with my colleagues. We don't talk with our colleagues about race, but when there's a facilitated space, I always find people are really relieved to have the opportunity. Yeah. So We have to create those facilitated spaces initially So that people can have those conversations or people have to do their own work and just pick up a book and start learning about difference. They just widen their experience and widen their horizons. The way we stop becoming so biased is by widening our our knowledge base and learning more about difference. That's what really supports us.
1: Yeah. And talking about it.
0: Talking about it gets it out from the inside so do you think about your whiteness do you have conversations about your racial identity
1: I do and I think a lot about my privilege okay. and then it gets very uncomfortable sure. and then I put it away sure and then I wait till I'm courageous enough to do a tiny little bit more it's a very slow journey because it's hard
0: and but, do you do that work yourself or do you have support
1: uh I have support coming and I'm not accessing it. And this is a very challenging conversation
0: <laughs> in a good way. Yeah, but you didn't expect me to ask you these questions, did you? I thought you were questioning me. but no, I, I, find you're right. really, I find it really interesting because I think privilege gets a bad rap, right? I love my privilege. I'm delighted right? that I have privilege, right? It's really helpful to me and I really enjoy it. But it's, you know, what do I do with my privilege? right yeah so that's really the question right it's not do you have privilege or a bad person you know great we all you know know, I do believe in a more equal world but I don't want to knock anyone for their privilege but I do ask them what they do with it how do you create a space that your privilege is used to support those around you to create more equal playing field
1: and there's different kinds of privilege aren't there because 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 there's the privilege of the fact that my parents were middle class and therefore Mm. all those privileges, but then, and that's the easy one to talk about. Sure. The harder one to talk about is I get on the bus and nobody looks at me.
0: Sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody follows you in a shop. Nobody, you know, people listen to you when you speak.
1: Yeah. That's a privilege. What's really interesting, which is the one that I'm thinking about at the moment is that now I'm almost 60 grey haired, I noticed that when I walk down the street, there are places where you walk down the street where people are coming the other way and they don't notice you and they push past you, which wow. didn't happen when I was younger.
0: Wow. Does that really happen? Yeah. You wait wow. till you get
1: white hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. So there's something about invisible. There's something about uh, an, an age thing for women Mm. Which, which is talked about quite a lot by women who, mm. who've, who've gone past that line, sure. where there's a, an invisibility feeling. Mm. But then when I move, I would think I was saying this on a podcast the other day when I move in the world of coaching, people go, Oh, hi, it's you. Wow.
0: <laughs> and then yeah. I
1: get privilege again. So, yeah. so, probably for the same thing, you know, being older and
0: that's interesting. That's interesting. I just think that these things are important to be aware of and to notice and to recognize and notice where you have privilege, where you lose privilege and where those around you have and lose privilege. Yeah. Right? You know, it's not it's not to attack you, to get a button and beat people over the head because they're excessively privileged. It's just about noticing and becoming aware of the impact you have in the world and the impact of others around you.
1: And one of the things that I notice that makes me very uncomfortable, so sometimes I choose to notice it and sometimes I choose not to, is that in my life I've lived in, in areas that are very diverse. And I've also lived in areas that are not diverse at all.
0: Right.
1: And, and I observe here where there might be only one or two people of colour somewhere. Okay that I might do something and nobody looks and they might do something and everybody looks, you know, yeah. if, if you're in a queue or, you know, all those yes. things. Um, but we need to notice it, don't we? Because mm-hmm. we need to recognize, because another way of, of describing the privilege we're talking about is what are the things that I take for granted that I don't know I take for granted mm-hmm. about simply operating as a human in the world? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, these are important conversations for us all to have. Take and it's important for us to talk about whiteness, yeah. and what it means to be white, and uh, how we move around the world. Um, one one of the questions that came up yesterday in this session I was running was, you know, I I'm glad to be here, I'm glad to be in this conversation, but to be honest... I don't really know why I have to do this work around racism because it's not really my issue. It doesn't really impact me and it's not my issue. And I don't really want to do it. And first of all, I thanked her for the courage of saying that because she wasn't the only one thinking that in the room. But then, you know, I pointed out that, but for white people, I wouldn't have a problem with racism at all. I would be completely good. Right. So when we say, so when white people say it's not really my problem, it kind of is because, but for white communities, in this, in this country I'm talking about, in the UK, yeah. racialized people would not have a problem, right? And, and of course, there's, race, there's racism across communities. In my community, the South Asian community, there's horrific levels of anti-blackness. You know, we're hugely racist against black people, and it's really important that we talk about that as well, mm. right? So it's, it's not just white people, you know, amongst different communities, there's different levels of racism.
1: I've been holding on to this moment to say it. One yeah. of the things that frustrates me is is how quickly whiteness throws people out. Yeah. So, if I have a child with a person of color, yeah. my child is now a person of color. My child yeah. is now black, not white. Well, yeah. why? <laughs> how? That, but that's a really pushing out culture, isn't it? That's a either you're I am, I am offending myself by what I'm saying, but there's something about there's something there about pure white, and you, you have to be yeah. white, white to be white.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But, but
1: we're all mixture of you know, all those DNA testing things would make us find that you know, I'm probably not English in my heritage there will be there will be other sure. nations
0: sure i you know i just think i just feel curious and interested in everyone's background and what they bring and who they are right you know and but we live in a world where racism has such a strong history right and you know if we're talking about being in britain british history is really quite shocking when we're yeah. talking about issues of racism, slavery, colonialism, right? So I agree with you. It, it, you know you know, why are we in these conversations? But we do need to be in these conversations because that is the reality of the world we live in, yeah. and that is our history. Not to necessarily remain in them forever and to feel separated. But I think there's a point where we all have to do some individual work and understand where we're situated racially. If you don't understand where you're situated racially, then you're not going to understand the other. And as coaches, it's our responsibility to understand difference and understand the other and understand the person in front of us. How can you really support the whole of somebody if a huge part of their their identity isn't within your awareness? Or if it is, you're too terrified to even ask a question or say something or point out the systemic nature of what they're talking about, the systemic issues that are impacting them. Because you're like, am I gonna say the wrong thing? Is this right? What am I gonna do? You know, it, it's, you know it, it's time for us all to step up a little bit and educate ourselves. You know, this conversation is not going to go away. No. Post George Floyd, post George Floyd being killed, post the pandemic, everybody's talking about race, right? And racialized people who previously put up and shut up, shut up and put up, right, Um, are no longer doing that. And they're Mm. speaking out, and they're speaking out about their experiences. They're speaking out about what's happened in organizations, and they need somewhere to take that. And if they're being coached, they expect that to be part of the conversation. And if you're not able to hold those conversations, then I kind of think you're failing as a coach. I don't really Mm. understand what you're coaching if you're not able to coach all of somebody mm. Mm. I just think it's a core cool competence and I think I mean I, I haven't been around the coaching world that long um, but I have seen more and more uh the coaching bodies are saying things about race and putting out papers and asking people to do work around race And I think it's only a matter of time before, um, you know, people see this as a normal part of their CPD. I mean, I I would expect that. I would hope that that's where we're going. Um, You know, I'm in so many different organisations now, from schools to businesses, working with lawyers. And we're all talking about race. Everybody is waking up to the idea. And all the regulatory bodies are are waking up to this idea that this is a core competence. And, um, you know, and the reason I'm in schools is because people are recognizing that young people as the leaders of the future need this as a core competence. Mm. So as coaches, what are we going to do? Are we going to join the rest of the, the rest of the country that are doing this work? Or are we just going to be kind of clueless and sit in our privilege and tell ourselves how wonderful we are in, as coaches and just not be aware of a huge percentage of the population and their needs?
1: It's ironic, isn't it, that evoking awareness is a competency of coaching and we have to have awareness ourselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And we have to, to notice when we don't know stuff and we're pushing up against it.
0: Yeah. And we need I, to do I,
1: something about I, I,
0: it. Sorry, I'm speaking over you. I do understand the fear. I do understand that people are scared of doing the wrong thing, scared of saying the wrong thing, but having held a number of courses and see people develop it's not actually that hard but you have to just be willing to show up you have to be willing to show up and to be willing to show up and not know very much I think that's part of it right you know people are used to knowing quite a lot but particularly as they get more senior in their coaching world but actually we're all beginners in this and we all have to show up and learn and grow and that's hard for people. But, you know, it's it's hard to, to experience racism. So I really hope that people wake up a little bit and, and stop putting it out there so much.
1: Mm. And the point of coaching is that we don't know.
0: Yeah. Great.
1: But we need to confidently not know. Yeah. Rather than pretend we know because we're afraid of not knowing.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, Raggy, thank you so much. What a great conversation. I hope you'll come back.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's
1: been a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So I'm Claire Pedrick and I've been talking to Raggy Kotak and uh, Raggy's details are in the show notes. Thanks, Raggy.
0: Thanks very much. Bye. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, we'd love you to share the podcast with a friend or leave a comment on social media. And if you'd like to become a regular at The Coaching Inn, you can subscribe on Podbean and all major podcast channels. We look forward to welcoming you next time. You've been listening to The Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub. For more information, check out 3dcoaching.com.